Another edition of the Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at the Action Network and Rotoviz. I am your host this evening, Nathan Powell, and I am joined by my co-host, Dan Sanyo. The Super Bowl is in the books, Dan. The Super Bowl champions are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I am a Buccaneers fan. It was awesome. How was your <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday? It, it was it was good. I was I was cheering for the Bucks alongside you. I, w- I was excited for you to experience. That would be the second Super Bowl of your life, correct? Yes, but I, I have I've mentioned on Twitter that the last time the Bucks were in the Super Bowl, I was at the stage of life. Every young boy at some point will just want the opposite of whatever his father wants. <laughs> and it was during that short time period of my life that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. So in that Super Bowl. As a nine, ten year old, I was rooting for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> that that's you know what? That's tough. That is tough. It's not like the Bucks had just no, a, and, a pile no, the, of Hall of Famers or anything. The tough part is I left that phase the next year. Like I became a Bucks fan after that. And so I had 20 years of misery for no reason. <laughs> Folks, you heard it here first. Nathan Powell is a bandwagon Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Not that he grew up in the area or anything like that. Uh, no, Nathan, uh, I was happy. It was, I was pumped up. And I think at this stage, I'm finally starting to, I guess, more appreciate the legend of Tom Brady. It, it's getting to the point now where it's like, all right, this, this dude is from a different planet. This isn't, this isn't just, you know, with the, the all of the talk before was, oh, he's a system quarterback. Oh, it's just Bill Belichick, you know, oh, six Super Bowls. Yeah. All Belichick. Well, I mean, yeah, his team's pretty good, and this is probably the best defense he's ever had. But you just completely shut out the most talented quarterback I'm pretty sure we've ever seen. Yeah, it was it was certainly quite the performance uh, by Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh, and I'll, I'll say I, I will admit when I'm wrong, which is quite often. I di- I wasn't thrilled with the Brady signing when it first happened because I was because. Brady wasn't good in 2019. No, he was bad. And for the first half of 2020, he was mixed at best. Uh, and then towards the latter half of the season, he turned turned things on. And, of course, in the playoffs, he played really well. And and the Super Bowl played really well, getting that Super Bowl MVP. So definitely was wrong. Uh, Tom Brady, much better than James Winston. <laughs> very, very true. And good thing uh, all of us Dynasty players gave up on Tom Brady, what, 12 years ago, something, give or take. Yeah, no, I, I, I did. I, uh, last thing before we get to the coaching carousel, uh, I did tweet out that my first nice startup was in 2013. Okay. And in that startup, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady both, both lasted until the double digit rounds because people are like, oh, Brady, Peyton, they probably only have one to two years left. And that league folded. But otherwise, the person who got Tom Brady in the double digit rounds would have gotten eight years of Tom Brady at least. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, he hasn't, not all of those years have been really super productive fantasy years, but think about the longevity of that. That's ridiculous. I mean, you have a legitimate starter 
for 20 years. Yep. All right. Let's get into coaching care. So we had our rankings summit over the last four to five weeks. And so we have, really touched on the coaching news as it came in, which is partly a good thing because now we can cover every single coaching hiring and how it impacts the fantasy offenses around them. We will start with one of the more intriguing hires of the offseason to start the offseason, one that I think has one of the biggest outcomes in terms of fantasy. It is Urban Meyer to the Jacksonville Jaguars. has implications for Trevor Lawrence. has implications for DJ Chark. And LaVisca Chanel. Now, the big thing that, you know, came out early is, okay, LaVisca Chanel is going to be Urban Meyer's new Percy Harvin, you know, Urban Meyer's new toy in, in that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. So his stock has increased. DJ Chark's stock has increased a bit as well. So what are your thoughts on Urban Meyer landing in Jacksonville? Do you, do you think this is a great fit, good fit? Or I think it's one of the higher variance hires of the offseason. Yeah, it's it's an all upside, no floor type move. I mean, we've seen plenty of the big name college coaches come out of college and have absolutely no success in the NFL. Um, a few of them have gone on to decent success, but you know, you look at the Sabins, you you look now at Urban Meyer. There's plenty of other cases of it that guys that just it, it doesn't translate. You don't have you don't have the massive upper hand of constantly getting recruits in Jacksonville. You get what you get based on what, where you're drafting or what free agents you can sign or who you can trade for. And you have the worst team in the league. This is going to be a huge adjustment for, for urban Meyer. Um, but, but are, the minute they get Trevor Lawrence, are they the worst team in the league still? Yes, okay. they still absolutely are. That defense is atrocious. <laughs> So, I mean, it's going to be a big step. They, they, I do... My point is they, they have the building pieces with LaVisca and Shark. Though, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess the one positive note of, of all of it is they'll probably be trailing most games. So at least you can chase the volume, right? So I do think that there's a decent chance that he's at least reasonably successful. You know, we saw what he did with Florida. We've seen what he's done with Ohio State. And... It's hard to deny the you know the the potential for success, but I always am just going to lean on the Nick Saban thing. Like he came to the NFL and it was just the worst thing ever. So does it matter a ton for for Trevor Lawrence? I don't think so. I think I think Urban Meyer is a good enough coach in that regard where he can raise a high end player into a great player. Because we saw that time over time as well, whether it was Florida or Ohio State, bringing in super athletes or what was a really good high school football player and turning them into the greatest college football players we've seen. So uh, I, I do th I do think there's a real, real high potential for this to essentially turn that entire team into what could be really high-end assets. Yeah, and it's a combination of Meyer, but also mostly the fact that they just have so many assets in in salary cap in draft picks. They ha they have a ball of clay to mold, and it could end up very well when the person doing that is Trevor Lawrence for the most part. Absolutely, yeah. It's it it's as always a chance it goes poorly. I have a feeling this this could go quite well, especially because of well, Trevor Lawrence, because I mean, of DJ Kirk, Chris Chenault, James Robinson. I mean, and, and obviously college doesn't. 
you know, necessarily transfer, you know, the exact same way. But I see it resulting similar to how all Urban Meyer stints, a flaming ball that is extremely good the first couple of years, and then it burns <laughs> out yeah. uh, because he has, you know, heart effects or brain effects. Like, I think that as soon as things start to get hairy, if they do, Meyer's going to end up getting out. Yeah, that's that's another question too. Is I mean, does he hold up mentally, physically, you know, whatever it is? That's again yet to be seen. But he's had such a long career as it stands that I, I do think there's some aspect of it that's just mental, where like he gets bored and it's like, all right, I need, I need a reason to get out of this. So, you know, there's a there's a chance that happens, but also I feel like having. Trevor Lawrence and those offensive weapons for an extended period of time where normally you're only having these people for two years at a time could lengthen his, his willingness or his want to be in Jacksonville for an extended period of time. And now let's move on to the jets. We have Robert Soleil uh, from the 49ers defensive coordinator, and he brought the 49ers pass game coordinator, Mike LaFleur, with him. So obviously we're going to break this down more from a Mike LaFleur standpoint. But Robert Soleil to the Jets, um, I, I do think that the biggest positive here is that it's not Adam Gase. Uh, <laughs> that, that means stock up for every Jet uh, going from Adam Gase to Mike LaFleur, Adam Gase to, to Robert Soleil. I don't know if that's how you say his name. Um, but if and it's it's hard to like completely transfer from offense to offense, but let's assume that you know that the passing game of the 49ers looks somewhat similar to, to the future of the Jets here. I see a lot of jet sweeps, I, I see a lot of action from the wide receivers in the backfield, and I see some degree of you know intermediate work. I, I, I don't see the Jets becoming a you know deep passing you know game with Mike before at the helm, yeah. Uh... It's going to be, it feels more like it's going to be kind of a gimmicky wannabe Kyle Shanahan bit. I I don't hate it. I, I like the youthfulness it's going to bring. Obviously, Adam Gase wasn't old, but he's also one of, if not the worst coach we've ever seen in NFL history. Uh, and that's saying something because we also had Hugh Jackson. So it's um it, it, it's going to be interesting i don't i i wasn't in love with things that were going on with san francisco and obviously that's not it wasn't him calling plays but he had a decent sized hand in everything between he started there in like 2017 obviously through this season he was still still apart but and, and that was Kyle Shanahan's team but I, I feel like a lot of that's going to translate over coming from what i guess we can call the Shanahan tree, right? So it, it it feels like it could be a little bit gimmicky just trying to get the ball into the playmaker's hands is a is good in theory, right? It, we loved seeing it with Ayuk, we loved seeing it with Debo. Just get the ball in their hands and let them let them try something. That's not really how Denzel Mims works. Uh who knows what else they're going to add, but I, I would like to see a more straightforward passing attack with maybe the the gadgety gimmicky stuff for the running backs yeah and this isn't like like the jaguars this is definitely an unfinished team like they're going to draft wide receivers they're going to draft a running back they're going to you know sign players at those positions as well even tight ends as well so th this jets offense is even close to finish and oh i didn't mention quarterback like is sam darnold going to enter the year probably not 
Um, the Jets are in contention for a Deshaun Watson trade. Sam Darnold's on the trading block. Um, potentially, I guess Wentz could go there as well. So, you know, a lot's going to change with that with that Jets offense. So it's not like you could say, I like Michael Ford, go buy this Jets player. Because there's, other than Denzel Mims, there's not a single player on that offense that I'm like, I'm confident they're going to be on the team week one. Yeah, and I mean, are we really excited about potential upside here because how how actually bad this whole team is rather than just the defense like Jacksonville? Um, there's like you said, it's very unfinished. There's a lot of moving parts and and potential. You know, if they get Deshaun Watson and they can add some playmakers on offense, all of a sudden, well, Deshaun Watson running a Shanahan offense sounds pretty damn good, right? But that's a that's a huge leap to try to make right now. So I'm yeah, and and the biggest thing with that is that the problem with Watson here is that like his biggest complaint right now is he's playing around a team with no draft picks. He's going to get traded to a team who's going to yeah, give up all their draft picks. Yeah, like, so, like he's not. I mean, obviously there's other problems with why Watson being wants to get traded, but it like he's going to kind of be tra- like outside of Miami. There's no way he can go to a situation where it's like a clean transfer. Yeah, I don't know, I, I guess, a ton about Mike LaFleur aside from his little bit of time with San Francisco. But at, at this point, and again, it's nothing against Mike LaFleur because I don't really know much about him. I, I'm pretty much a full avoid on anything tied to the New York Jets. We'll see. Uh, I, I I would likely end up targeting Jets if they get Justin Fields at two. Um, or if God, I hope not. Football. <laughs> uh, or if they get Watson, I'll end up targeting some Jets as well. Um, let's move on to the Falcons. We have Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans the last two seasons. Obviously, this this offense revolves around, or that offense revolves around Derrick Henry. Some people are already mocking Najee Harris uh, to the uh, Atlanta Falcons to be the new Derrick Henry for Arthur Smith's offense. I, the, the Falcons have always been, in recent years, a team that confuses me because I don't think Matt Ryan is good enough anymore to win a team a Super Bowl. But also that team isn't good enough to even, like, compete for one. So and they, the Falcons are in a similar spot this, that the Lions were before they traded Stafford, where they have this veteran quarterback. They don't have much t- talent around the veteran quarterback, so they might as well get rid of him. But Ryan's not even on the trading block. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one, but... I mean, if you can compare what what he was doing in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, I mean, Matt Ryan's at least Ryan Tannehill, if not a little bit better at this stage, yeah? Yes, but obviously there's different talents. Like Tannehill is mobile in the pocket, can pick you up a first down. Matt Ryan hasn't gone past like six yards of the pass line in eight years. <laughs> that's true. That I mean, that that yeah, that's definitely a part of it. I, I do feel like this offense has real potential. I really like what Arthur Smith has done with Tennessee, and even even the Derrick Henry bit took a little while to kind of come to fruition. It was kind of an end of season, and, and, and it exploded with Arthur Smith. Like Her- right. Henry has been, you know, building up throughout his career, but his by far his best two seasons have been twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Oh, absolutely. There's 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 no there's no question to that. So, but then we also see Corey Davis. We see AJ Brown thrive. Uh, we saw Johnu Smith kind of show things a little more inconsistently than we would like. But I, I feel like all of this translates pretty darn well to the Falcons with Matt Ryan, whatever's left in the tank for Julio, Calvin Ridley. 
And whatever running back they decide to bring in, I would imagine this is going to be a team that's probably going to use a top 60 pick on someone like Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. Uh, I mean, there's there's options, you know, and then maybe they go a different a different direction. Maybe they or, or I mean, we, we've talked about all, I mean, once again, don't really know their cap offhand, but we've talked about this free agent class like Aaron Jones yeah. or any, you know, the other guys. Um, they, they could go that route as well. And obviously any, any running back that goes there would be stock up because I think they're going to get a nice, nice workload with the, the Arthur Smith offense. I absolutely agree. I, I think this is a nice upward trend for the offense. We've kind of seen it over the last few years, really honestly, since Shanahan left, kind of not be great. I mean, they've been serviceable. Don't get me wrong. Calvin Ridley's been really good. Julio, when healthy, has been great still. Um, Matt Ryan's just eternally mediocre and the running back position has really seemingly fallen off. So I think this is a nice upward trend for them and, and could be a potential opportunity to buy a little bit. We'll see what happens in the backfield, but I don't really think it matters who, who goes there. I think it's whatever that player is, is going to automatically be, you know, pretty, pretty productive. Hey everybody, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. Alrighty, now let's uh, talk about ourselves, Roto Viz. <laughs> uh, it's time to get on the action, folks. Uh, it is dynasty season. It is rookie season. Got to get yourself involved with Roto Viz. There are amazing content and tools all over the place. We're going to start getting into them some more on the show. We're going to, you know, have Curtis on the show in a couple weeks, and maybe some Travis May as well. You know, we're, we're going to Roto Viz the show up a little bit for the, for those that have ever been wondering where's the Roto Viz and the Roto Viz Dynasty guys. It's coming. It's coming starting today. And make sure you uh, get involved with our content and tools and support the podcast by using promo code RV Radio. 2021 promo code RV Radio 2021 10% discount and you support the podcast put some, put some money in my pocket put some money in Dan's pocket so he can afford dog food uh, and kid food as well no, so just dog food <laughs> all right so let's get into it we we have a fun little segment we, we'll see how this goes and we might continue it each week so Rotaviz has a a app called the Box Score Scout. And basically what it does is it takes uh, your important statistics like your draft pick, weight, your 40 time, and, uh, you know, basically your your box score numbers like rushing yards or receiving yards and the, and market share and all those things. And basically compares you to other players from the past. So I'll be reading off, you know, uh, the, the draft pick, weight, and 40 that I, that I listed for a player based on Google information slash guesstimate on the draft pick. And then I'll read off sim scores um, for the player, and Dan will have to guess which player it is in the 2021 rookie class, and then he'll do one of the same for me for the wide receiver position. So we will start off the – what should we call this segment? Uh, the Prospect Box Score Scout Simulation. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> here, here we go, folks. This player – 
I'm projecting to get drafted at pick 55. He weighs 220 pounds and projected at a 4-5-2-40. His Rotovis similarity scores are 100% with Kerryon Johnson, Shane Vereen, DeAndre Swift, Eddie Lacy. And some others uh, who are below 100, Miles Sanders, Darius Geist, Devonta Freeman, Mike Davis, Doug Martin, Kashawn Vaughn. What was his what was his projected weight again? 220. 220. He's listening I mean, at 220. I feel like I feel like Eddie N's not that big. He's not, he can't be. But Najee's gonna go higher than 55. Uh I need a list of uh running backs. That would be cheating. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> Gainwell's too small. He's a munchkin. Fifty-five. That's too high for Trey Sermon. I, I mean, I, I I would guess I would guess Najee Harris, but those comps don't seem anywhere close. So once again, the hundred the hundred score comps are Carryon Johnson, Shane Vereen, DeAndre Swift, and Eddie Lacy. And your guess is. Najee Harris, you said? Uh, or... Yes. I'm going to go with Najee Harris. Okay, that is incorrect. It is Javante Williams. Oh, the kid from North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, I guess that would make a little bit a little bit more sense. He's probably going to... I would guess he's probably in the 60 to 70 range, so 55 is probably fair. That, that, seems, that seems okay. What do we like about Javante Williams, Nathan? Uh... Well, I, I like that he uh, compares favorably to DeAndre Swift. I don't know about the rest of them. <laughs> but, um, I, I, I'm typically not a huge buy into, and it, it's definitely a Debbie bias, but like when a guy doesn't get drafted in, in Debbie leagues, I'm always like, eh, like, do I really want this guy? And Javante Williams, not drafted in Debbie leagues. And so basically, in order to overcome that bias, he has to be drafted on you know, probably in the second round. If he falls to the third, he's probably not going to be on very many, many of our rosters, even though I, obviously I'm investing in third round running backs. But if he falls to the third, there's probably going to be somebody who likes Javante Williams more than me. Um, so uh, final season rushing yards, 1140. Uh, his uh, rushing yards adjusted uh, market share is 0.37. So uh, not bad. You know, some nice measurables here with his final season at North Carolina. Oh, that sounds... Kind of decent, actually. I, I I don't think I was maybe high enough on Javante Williams if we think he's going to be going in the top 60-ish. Yeah. I almost think I may have preferred Michael Carter. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Michael Carter's not going to be picked on day two at all. <laughs> well, no, I understand that. I was just... And from my perspective, he seems more like the kind of player I would like, but that that all seems somewhat enjoyable. All right, now let's let's get one on your side. Okay, the box score scout, my sim. Uh, I'm going in the wide receiver category. Nathan had a running back, so I, I decided to go wide receiver. Now I did a couple of projections because this player has a chance to rise, in my opinion. And well, we'll we'll talk about the, this after the fact. But so the original projection, I, I feel like, is probably going to be somewhere in the top 100 picks. So maybe fourth roundish, early fourth. And his 100 percent 
similarity scores go to Carlos Henderson and Josh Reynolds. And you'll see that actually when he rises up as well, being picked at potentially 75. I think he could rise into the top 80, maybe even higher, depending on how pro days, uh, all of that stuff goes. See very similar lines drawn between this player, Carlos Henderson, Josh Reynolds, and someone like Ardarius Stewart. And then you look a little bit more towards the top end of what could be projected, and you see names at 92%, like Deontay Johnson, and 88% in Chris Godwin. So a little less similar, but I think that's where you start to reach that high end. And then when you really want to dive deep and you're looking a little bit lower, it's good old Farrell Cooper, you know? So Nathan, what wide receiver coming in with a weight of 195, projecting a 40 time of 4.5 in a draft stock between 75 and 100? Do we think we've got going on here? I might be shooting too high here, but I think because of the injuries and because of not much shown in 2020, 2020, is it Tylen Wallace? It is not Tylen Wallace. I'm going to give you one more guess. I know you like this player, and I got to be honest, I didn't know you were going to be picking someone from North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, it's Diami. <laughs> yeah, Diami Brown. Uh, you know, I, I I don't see him rising. I think he has to like blow up whatever combine there is in order for him to rise. But I think he could, and I, and I think that some of his his draft profiling from a lot of scouts may change a little bit as we near those pro days, as we as we near the actual draft. I think he's someone that really could slowly rise up boards because of what he can potentially bring to the table. There's not a lot of guys in this class that are going to do what he does for your offense. I mean, who who else? uh, There's there can't be too many wide receivers you're taking over Deami Brown, yeah. No, I mean he's he probably ends up being you know top ten guy, but also you know like how I am, I'm, I'm a huge draft capital guy, so I'll have a hard time putting him in my top ten wide receivers it's, if he ends up going on day three and there's you know you know nine or ten wide receivers drafted in the first few days. But yes, I do like him as a talent. If I was an NFL GM drafting the top ten wide receivers, Deion Brown would be there. It's just a matter of will he be there from an NFL draft capital perspective. So that should. Could uh, wrap up our Brock Prospect Box Score Scout Simulation for <laughs> today. Um, make sure to subscribe to Rotovis. You can get access to the Box Score Scout and you can play games with your friends. Like, who is this prospect? Uh, like, we will do each and every week or we'll play around with some of the other tools as well. But before we wrap up the head coaches, let's hear from our friends over at the Action Network. Thanks once again to the Action Network. And now we have our next head coach is Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers, joined by his offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, the Saints quarterback coach. So this is an offense that I, I mean, once again, go back to the Adam Gase situation. Anybody but Anthony Lynn was going to be an upgrade. Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi are an upgrade for one Justin Herbert. Herbert was just fine even with terrible coaching so uh even confident coaching is going to vault herbert into top five quarterback play 
Yeah, and you know, working working for four or five years with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, that's that's some pretty heavy hitting as far as coaching and quarterbacking is concerned. So I, I think I think this one potentially is really exciting as well, being being Joe Lombardi. And I feel like there's there's a lot of upside here and a relatively high floor. The the Sean Payton, I mean, we know Sean the Sean Payton evolves from he's a uh, parcells guy right yes so that coaching tree is vast and really 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 strong and positive so uh lombardi coming from that and now getting a really high end and borderline elite rookie quarterback going into his second year in herbert i mean sky's the limit here right i mean i don't want to have too high expectations for joe lombardi but based on where he came from that's, I mean, that's, this could be big. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they, they have the weapons, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I know you're not the biggest Mike Williams fan, but he's, he's at least an above average wide receiver two in the NFL. And yeah, I, I think that the, basically everything that happened in 2020, it just gets a little bit better with more competent coaching with Joe Lombardi at offensive coordinator. Next, we'll go to a rebuilding team and the Detroit Lions. They made the trade of Stafford for Goff in two firsts. Uh, so they're clearly in a rebuild with Dan Campbell, the a former Saints tight end coach at the helm. Um, I, call me knee-jerk, call me uh, you know basic thinking. I think it's a good thing for a tight end if the head coach is a tight end coach. What do you think, T.J. Hawkinson? Uh, yeah, I, I think arrows pointed north for TJ Hawkinson and all of the other arrows are pointed down <laughs> based on that press conference. <laughs> yeah, so there, it, it's going to be a process and it, it's, it was often pointed out that, you know, most NFL head coaches get four, maybe a max of five years on their first contract. Dan Campbell got a six year contract because the, the forwards basically said it's going to take a while here. <laughs> and it, that's evidenced by by trading Matthew Stafford for two firsts, not even two firsts, two firsts that at the first one doesn't start until 2022. So, you know, there's going to be a bit of a longer rebuild here. Um, you know, Swift, I think, is going to be fine and Hawkinson is good. Um, but the rest of it, you know, it's probably bad. Yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a huge, huge fan of it. I think I think the Goff to Hawkinson connection will be a real thing. I think Swift is talented enough at this stage that he'll probably survive. I mean, he's not Barry Sanders by any means, but I, I mean, he's he's a good player. We we saw him do that do enough in a mediocre offense this year that it's probably going to be tough for a year, maybe two. We'll see what happens at at wide receiver, and uh, you know, again, it's going to be one of those volume teams. They're going to be losing a lot. And they're going to be throwing a lot and having a lot of offensive touches because they're going to be behind. And next, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, who brought in the offensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts, Nick Sirianni. They are, you know, in talks to get Wentz possibly to Chicago, possibly to the Jets. So what are our thoughts on Jalen Hurts in the uh, basically the Colts offense? Um, that's a kind of a weird one because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It feels like a run first pocket passing business and you want Jalen Hurts essentially running a read option, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
it's a weird it's a weird combination, but obviously they see some things from Sirianni that they they like, and they're they're confident enough in in Jalen Hurts that they think this combination of things makes sense. So Howie Roseman in the last 10, 12 years, however long it's been, has has been a good GM. I would like to think he he's done more good than bad, but we've also I, seen I'll some real what, bad if, in Philly. If, if if he can get a first plus for Carson Wentz, uh, he, he has wronged any I mean, right, right <laughs> any wrongs that he had before. See, now, if they kept Wentz and traded Hurts, that would make more sense with Nick Sirianni and what Indy had done. That, that to me, would be, um, uh, honestly, a, a better fit. But the offense, I think, is more has a lot more upside with Jalen Hurts just because of, of the dynamic running game. And his potential as a passer, he's not a great passer. He's never going to be a great passer, but he is good enough that he's only going to have to throw it 25, maybe 30 times a game instead of 50, like we see a lot of high-volume passing offenses. Now, we don't love that for the wide receivers, but I think this is a Miles Sanders you know, pointed north arrow for Miles Sanders for sure. And lastly, the, one of the more controversial hires so far of the offseason was one David Culley to the Houston Texans, resulting in the trade request from one Deshaun Watson. He was the wide receiver coach of the Baltimore Ravens. He is an older gentleman and definitely not what Deshaun Watson was looking for, I'm assuming, uh, age 65. It, can it get worse for the Houston Texans? Yeah, this one doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me uh journeyman type obviously been around forever but uh, i get i just i don't get it uh, uh basically a lifer as like a wide receivers coach last four or five six years he's worked a little bit more with like qbs and had some assistant coaching stuff but this one's a weird one uh, i i don't like it there's a slim chance in my opinion that Deshaun Watson's starting for them uh week one. We'll see who is. This this might be another full of void, honestly, for just about every player. We don't know what the wide receiver group is gonna look like. Who's their best player on offense right now? David Johnson? Brandon I, I, Cooks. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose Brandon Cooks. I, I forget. But it's this could be a dumpster fire. Uh, this this could be real bad. Alrighty, the Texans might be real bad, but we hope that this was a real good show for you this evening. Uh, talking some head coaches, we'll get into some dynasty strategy talk in the coming weeks, and of course, rookie talk is just around the corner, Dan. That's absolutely right, and we did have a little talk about some of the apps on Rotoviz earlier as well. Uh, obviously, we had the box score segment, but I know a lot of people think, well, I'm in Dynasty. I don't I don't need those tools. Those tools are for best ball or those tools are for DFS or, or season long. No, there's actual Dynasty tools at rotoviz.com. So make sure you go to rotoviz.com. You get your 10% off by using RV Radio 2021 in the promo code box. And you start using these tools. It's so much fun to play around with. You learn so much. And 
honestly, it gives you the hand, an upper hand on, on everything. Once we kind of get these projections and all of this information from the NFL, as far as players go projections, as far as where they're getting drafted and weights. And I mean, these, these tools are absolutely awesome. And the more we know, the more you can input and the more exact we can be on these similarity scores. And uh, it, it's, it's an exciting time. So make sure you hop on into rotoviz.com. Use that promo code RB radio 2021 and get yourself a subscription. Excellent. That's your episode for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week. We already, uh, we already did the head coaches.